I'm drinking some extremely strong coffee out of a Christmas cup because, mm. you know, um, I need coffee back back at back at the ranch here. Uh, so, yo, I have I have not paid any attention to anything that has been happening because I was spending all that time hanging out with my three year old nephew. So, yeah, I, I I'm at I'm at a loss for F1 news this week, Johnny. I'm fully out of uh, I think I think that's all right. I'm also similarly, you know, deep in the family holiday action. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess this could be our our holiday episode. Oh, it could be a F1 holiday files. Episode. Oh, oh wait, are we? Di- Hol- We're. Di- I mean, we should. We, yeah, we've we've now mentioned the name of the podcast. Do you want to, Johnny? No, we haven't mentioned the name of the podcast. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of the F1 Files. Yeah, he did it! Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, this who is are you? Uh, who are you? <laughs> this is Corey. Corey, I got this. Chill out. All right, I got this. Okay, okay, got, got it, got it, got it. Welcome everybody to the F1 Files. This is a Formula One podcast hosted by two lifelong best friends, fans of the sport, uh, looking at the sport from a particularly American perspective. As mm-hmm. it continues to gain a foothold in the United States of America, my name is John Lapore. I'm a creative consultant designing the future for film, technology, and automotive. And I'm joined here by. I am Corey Willis. I'm an improviser, writer, and comedian who is normally based out in Los Angeles, California. But I am celebrating the holidays. The. What's this? Is like the. I think this is the last night of Hanukkah. It's two days post-Christmas. I think it's like the second day of Kwanzaa and a few days before New Year's Eve. That's so, right. We're right in the we're we're in that beautiful hammock that is strung yes. between Christmas and New Year's where everything's shut down. Mm-hmm. Every everybody's just getting fatter. And yeah. uh, uh otherwise there's not that much happening in the world, including in the world of Formula One. I don't think there was any big developments in f1 land over the course of the last week or so however Mm -hmm. there was one particular bit of speculation that i think we had not touched on previously that i think is certainly worthy of a little bit of a little bit of gossip and a little bit of general general speculation um was there anything you know i and i i have something specifically in mind was there anything else on your radar that uh that you've been thinking about uh just one thing that kind of popped up it was it was reported today in autosport uh the the autosport magazine there that zach brown kind of had a little he's he's continuing to speak his mind in the world of formula one and he Mm. was speaking on regulations did you see any of this at all no i didn't what's what's he getting up to so it was just a pretty basic thing. I, I didn't read too many details because I, like I had mentioned before, doing the whole, yeah, it's all about the kids. Yeah, it's all about the kids right yeah, now. Oh, yeah. By by the way, sorry. This, is, <laughs> this isn't just our holiday episode. This is the holiday party episode because I've yes. got... Uh, my my little ones uh, right within reach of me, so they'll be they'll oh, be wow. chiming in as guest consultants on uh, on today's episode. 
Excellent. And my parents may chime in as guest consultants uh, on this episode as well. Uh, but yeah, the so the, the thing that I saw was Zach Brown had mentioned in an interview that he thinks that with the cost cap era, there is a real need to scale back regulations. Uh, and the, the specific thing that he referenced was the, he's like, hey, if a team wants to make a six-wheeled F1 car and they do it within the cost cap, that should absolutely be on the table at this point. Innovation uh, and like some renovations to teams should happen. Uh, and he also referenced the Braun GP with the uh, the, the double diffuser setup, yep. how the rest of the teams by the end of that 2009 season, even though Jensen and Braun had built up this huge advantage, other teams were starting to catch up and they had been able to engineer their cars to be competitive, even if they weren't taking advantage of the double diffuser setup that Braun was. So he's just saying like, we only have a set amount of money that we're going to be using as teams. There's no reason to over-regulate these F1 yeah. cars, and they will look even more dissimilar to each other. Like he referenced, he's like, it was really cool to see cars that looked very different from each other this year. If we drop these regulations, if we take them out of these bounding boxes uh, that are a result of the prescriptive regulations that they've now put in place, then we could maybe see some truly innovative stuff and not just like extra aerodynamic winglets on a car like Mercedes floated out. Like you may get something completely new. I mean, there in the past, there were cars that ran without front wings. There were cars that ran with like double stacked uh, rear wings. There were cars that ran with like the, the BMW uh, when Sauber was, was running BMW back in the day. They had like the X-wing set up with the, the mirrors that were mm -hmm. like X'd out. So there's... yep. And I agree. I, I fully agree. I think that Zach Brown is making. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm fully on board with this, and I've always been an advocate for finding alternate kinds of like limitations or controls around mm -hmm. the formula. Um, more than anything, just to make sure that we are seeing some wild, unexpected innovation that is spurred by competition. Yeah, and I think in theory, like the cost cap could be. You know, the cost cap and like the tires that you run could be the entire formula and it could be, mm -hmm. that's it. You know, let's see who shows up with a V8 and who shows up with a four cylinder hybrid and who shows up with, you know, uh, tons of battery power and who shows up with very little battery power and, you know, yeah. just see the wild cars. Now, I think the the downside of that is that you probably end up getting a less competitive field, you know, you get a, a bigger delta between first and last place. But to me, it electrifies the exciting aspect of the engineering behind the exactly. sport, right? Yeah. And, and turns that into something special. Yeah. And truly you may get, especially with all the cross pollination between teams and engineers and technical directors, there is a real, I mean, I would love to see, not to say that Bonato is going to go to Williams, but I would love to see Bonato being able to really take the reins of Williams, who has struggled quite a bit with their engineering and their budgetary considerations, like to see some new innovation, you know, especially as someone who is so good at creating a race car to be competitive with a Red Bull, even though it doesn't share the same characteristics and strengths as the Red Bull. I'd love to see 
someone like that get their hands on a car that is really, really slippery in a straight line and see, because mm. I think the Ferrari was really good at exiting the corners versus the Red Bull being really good at diving into the corners and not losing too much uh, speed while, while entering a corner. And then maybe seeing a Ferrari engineer or someone like that kind of uh, grease up uh, a Williams that is already like a slippery greased pig in a straight line and just see what we can do, you know, maybe get some of those beautiful scallops on it. That'd be really, really, mm-hmm. really cool. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that was honestly the only te- like technical thing I saw this week that was really, uh, really interesting to me. And, and it's again, it's Zach Brown, who is I think I would love to see Zach Brown become more of a voice in F1. And I think he will continue mm. Because he's the one who wrote that open letter about Red Bull cheating for the cost cap, right? Like, he's the one who was openly like, yeah, they cheated. It's cheating. It's a doping scandal. It's the same thing. You can't, just because your budget went towards catering doesn't mean you didn't overuse. So, I I love it. And I I love the idea of Zach Brown getting a microphone put in front of his face, especially when his minders aren't there or when, you know, the FIA isn't there to be like, hey, Zach, could you come and talk to us first before you start saying things like this um especially in the off yeah, season in- you know interesting that zach brown as a as an american does mm-hmm. seem to be gaining more and more prominence within the sport in general yeah. i mean also i think all of our team principals have gained more prominence particularly thanks to drive to survive and a little bit of more f- interest in what's happening behind the scenes but yeah. in particular, I do think Zach Brown is one of the most interesting voices that we have at that level and is always quite a bit more engaging than the uh, hyper-scripted Toto Wolf and exactly. Christian Horner. Exactly. That like weird elitist dance that those two do yeah. as these major stakeholders in the companies that they run. And then you've got Zach Brown, who's also a major stakeholder within McLaren but he's an American, right? He's he's someone from the U.S., and we are notorious for just maybe speaking out of turn, but... <laughs> just shooting our mouths off. Yeah, yeah, which is, honestly, this is the kind of situation that I think would be perfect to, to underscore and highlight someone like that, especially when we have these, you know, when we're going to have an Oscar Piastri and a Lando Norris driving for him, like, that man can, I think, he should be the one who's on the pit wall, while during races like they should be talking to zach brown a lot more and honestly talking to toto less and definitely talking to christian less but i think zach is someone who is a a great mouthpiece every time he shows up on that on the broadcast when they're like and we've got zach brown i'm like ooh, there's gonna be some weird shit talk that happens in here that they're not prepared for uh and they can't cut his mic because he's a you know team principal that they're asking questions uh, so yeah, I thought that that was a pretty big story and a really interesting take to to be put out in the world. Is like, hey, you know, back off, FIA. You have overregulated, and now you're giving us a cost cap. And I think it's yep. It sometimes takes, and I, I this is now we're being maybe a little bit like jingoistic, but maybe it takes uh, of the voice of someone from the U.S. to really shake things up because the sport is so it's people operate um when interacting with the media they operate with kit gloves 
uh, in yep. like traditional F1 teams. So to see someone not do that is just like, yeah, get in there. Get in there, Zach. Um, so Corey, I think that's a great segue into the mm-hmm. the one topic that I was most interested in getting into today, which is we have discussion of a new team, mm-hmm. uh, potentially, or a new uh, OEM, a new automotive manufacturer who may have interest in joining Formula One. Yeah. And uh, to me, this ties back to even some things that we were discussing midway through this past season, talking about the continued growth in the United States and what trajectory that could lead towards. And one of those things that we speculated on was like, it sounds crazy. It sounds absolutely absurd, Mm -hmm. but maybe we would even see an American automotive manufacturer join the sport. Yeah. And so in the past couple of weeks, there have been murmurs that Ford is interested in getting involved in yeah. Formula One. Now, we, dude, John, we called this like we like we went down the list of like, oh, what are like Dodge is not going to be a part of it. Chrysler mm-hmm. is already Daimler and Dodge is Daimler. Right. So they're probably not going to do what the Volkswagen group has done, which is like, hey, we'll just put a bunch of our subsidiaries in and compete against each other. And I think Chevy was the other thing where we were like, eh, Chevy's not going to get involved with F1. There's just no way. They, they, you know, we could we could see it at some point. They at least have uh, they've they've got Corvettes running it at Le Mans and, and whatnot. You know, they're doing yeah. they're doing some wild stuff out there. But we did decide in, in racing that it was almost if there was going to be an American manufacturer, it was going to be either Ford or Ford badged under the Cosworth name. And that is, yep. right? That's like precisely what they're talking about. Is So what we're, yeah, so what we're looking at is not necessarily as extensive as what Audi is bringing to the sport where Audi wants to come in and develop their own powertrain and, and do it all the way through. Yeah. It does sound like Ford is potentially positioning themselves to be like a title sponsor, uh, perhaps yeah. even for Red Bull. Yeah. Um, which is which is pretty fascinating. But that Ford would, although Ford would lend engineering expertise, I think their intent is that we would still use the Red Bull power unit. Um, right. And and that sort of thing. But I think, you know, unlike say Alfa Romeo, who I really do think of as being a, a sticker yeah. on on the side of a car. Uh, Ford has some very, very serious racing pedigree, particularly mm-hmm. in endurance racing um, over, you know, particularly over the last six or seven years with the Ford GT program that they rolled out. Yeah. And I mean, Ford does seem perpetually obsessed with the idea of competing with Ferrari exactly. and just, you know, continuing that that on. Um, not to, not to go too personal with this, but I many, many years back had the wonderful opportunity to be involved in the creation of the Ford GT that yeah. went on to compete at Lama. I was a little more focused on the streetcar, uh, helping with design, the instrumentation, um, the, the human machine interface, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, that drivers see when they're piloting that vehicle. Um, but without question, uh, and it was made very clear to me in the very first meeting that I attended, uh, which I'll be careful here. The meeting was hosted by 
another company that was a supplier involved in the creation of this vehicle. There were a number of uh, Ford execs and and particularly engineers and designers that were mm-hmm. there. And basically, they laid out the brief for the Ford GT. And their brief was you know, very technical, very sophisticated, very interesting, really exciting. But the headline was, we're going to build a car to beat Ferrari at Le Mans. Yeah. And it was just sort of, it was, it was kind of wild. It was to me very unexpected to see a huge corporation like, you know, approaching it from this angle. Now, I mean, that was a very much a skunk works project and program, but they had this incredible appetite and passion just to get out there and compete and, and go to war with another legendary brand and obviously inspired by the battle that they had done in the sixties at Lama, which, you know, yeah. is, is, uh, relatively well documented in several books and the film Ford versus Ferrari and, and whatnot. So, yeah. uh, to me, I think there's some really interesting opportunities that come with seeing a brand like Ford get into formula one. And also Ford is out of all the American brands, Ford has by far the largest presence in Europe. Yeah, um, Ford is one of the you know uh, best-selling brands in and across Europe. Um, well, and also for a long time, made cars you know really focusing on an international market rather than just America first. Yeah. Well, also there's the the idea of the of Ford's rebrand, not rebrand, but the way that Ford is branded in Australia with their, uh, with their supercar series, uh, with the Holdens. So like there's, they have a history of not just racing in American, you know, in the American circuits. And that includes like the central and South American circuits as well, but also in European circuits. And then also, in South Asian circuits. So like they have a, a true global presence when it comes to, to racing pedigree. And, um, also you did yeah, mention- and their, their, their car, the, the Australian <laughs> Fords are some of the rowdiest. I believe, so cool. I, I believe in Australia, they are just Ford. Holden is, I think the, uh, oh, the, okay. the general motors, oh, uh, right, Australian right, 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 brand. Right. Um, but the, but yeah, the, the, in, in Australia, they, they just make these giant V8 engined sedans that can stomp around, uh, or racetrack wild, wild stuff. I think isn't the, uh, I don't know if it's there, there was a, a celebration of the, of like the, the supercar series basically in, mm-hmm. uh, in Australia. Was that, was the guy who won that and like bricked the pedal? Was he driving like a Red Bull badged Ford or was that a different brand? Uh, uh that's a good question. I know there are several, I know there's several different, um, racing series where Ford and Red Bull are already sort of partnered up in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't believe it's the, the, the V8 supercars, the Australian V8 supercar series you're describing. I don't think they're hooked up there, but definitely, I mean, in world rally and, and elsewhere, uh, there's been many instances of, you know, Red Bull, Red Bull and Ford being, you know, in the same paddock. Yeah. Well, it's also there's also a cultural like simile there, right? Cuz you have like the Red Bull brand which is like 
we are, you know, we do whatever. Uh, we'll go for extreme sports. We'll go for, you know, the the the, the literal like plane racing that they do around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they they sponsor that. They sponsor the high altitude jump. Uh, uh, the high altitude jumping. They sponsor people who are in like wingsuits. They they do all this stuff. Uh, and then also, you know, um, Ford is literally like their motto is like built Ford tough. Like that is like, like you can put the idea, you know, the idea is you can put a Ford through pretty much anything. Uh, and they're not wrong. The, the Ford F-150 is the most popular work truck on the planet. Like it's that the, is, it's the highest selling vehicle in yeah. the United States. Yeah, and it's, there are more there are more Ford pickup trucks sold than any other vehicle. Yeah, and in, they're great in the United and, States. And those are the V eight motors that they slap into, or that they used to slap into, like Mustangs. Like they used to develop those big truck motors, and then they're like, oh, we'll just like tune this up and make it a Cobra engine. And it was like, Jesus, mm-hmm. you can put something that's six hundred horsepower in a two seater and yeah, it's it's truly well. It's bad. interesting too because Ford has always had in their street cars, they've always had a decent amount of performance offerings mm-hmm. at multiple levels. Um, the brand has put a really big emphasis in the past few years on trucks and SUVs. Right, like they were the first brand to say, like, we're no longer going to make any cars we are only going to make trucks and suvs and crossovers and mustang we'll still make mustang right yeah but now they're making like the ev mustang which is like an suv mustang that is all they make the ev suv mustang but they do still have a pure mustang that's that's out there in the world and you know i'd always like to think that there's other interesting performance stuff that's you know hiding under the surface now it is tricky to me and i mean i feel the same way about audi as well as Mm. almost every single brand seems to be betting their future on electrification on electric vehicles yeah Yeah. and i do sense that that has you know perhaps a little bit of conflict with formula one as you know decidedly formula one is not uh, anytime in the near future going to be merging with Formula E. Yeah, um, like they're literally that, removing one of the hybrid devices for the new regulations. Like right. it's like they're, they're by all measures of every other racing series, except for like NASCAR or these big V8 uh, series around the world. Like they're the ones who are like, nah, we're going to stick with like not fossil fuels, but we're trying to find like renewable fuels and sustainable fuels, but we're not going to electric. We've already got the battery power uh, that we've already got that handled. We already know where we can recapture some of that energy. So they're, they're shifting their perspective quite a bit when it comes to, to the way that they use hybrid systems in F1. But I don't think I, yeah, I think you're right. They're not going to go all electric because they have, you know, there's the formula E there's a formula electric series that actually is pretty entertaining uh and has like a lot of crowd participation and that's part of like the thing about formula Mm -hmm. e that f1 fans are like holding our noses up at because it's like oh what the crowd gets to determine what cars get boosts and it's like well you want to get cars you want to get people to interact with a racing series yeah that's the perfect way of like 
Mm-hmm. Vote for your favorite car on track right now, and we'll give it a few extra horsepower. And it's like, that's that's actually a pretty cool idea. I mean, it doesn't sound great, literally, because the cars are <laughs> whirring servos, but it's not, you know, it's it's not as entertaining sounding, but it is definitely engaging to people and playing on the idea of like, yeah, we can, you can influence the race if you show up and you are a big fan, right? So... Yeah, and I mean, we may we may see Ford maybe get deeper into hybrid performance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, all the most recent generations of all the most like exotic hypercars, whether it's the LaFerrari or the Porsche 918 or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of other stuff that's come out since those all came out, uh, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. Um, we've been seeing that kind of like hybrid approach actually being the best way to make a super high performing car. And so that could align if, you know, Ford has some strategies along those lines. I wouldn't be surprised if they had a hybrid Mustang or something that has, you know, electric front wheel power, something along those lines, just to push it over the top. There's lots of rumors that Corvette is going to be very shortly debuting uh, a car that is, you know, has the the V8 engine in the back, but then has electric motors up front mm-hmm. to to make it a, a world beater. And, yeah. you know, I, I can just only imagine that Ford has to have something in like retaliation for that. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. But I mean, nonetheless, to me, huge brand, yeah. huge name and something that, may also just help in making the concept of Formula One significantly more relatable to American fans. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, So you did, I just want to go back real quick and touch on something that you mentioned, which was Skunk Works. Uh, So Mm -hmm. Skunk Works, can you just go into uh, a bit of an explanation of like what the difference between like a traditional OEM versus like the Skunk Works projects that happen uh, off of so uh, Skunk Works, I think came. I think it was a term that was used within Boeing when making like the you know SR seventy one Blackbird or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. making basically a top secret experimental uh, aircraft, and they put together a Skunk Works team, and that name has lived on to reflect what it meant at Boeing, which was we've decided that the way to make the most innovative product is not to put more people onto the project, Mm -hmm. but is to have it be as small a team as can possibly be achieved. But the members of those team have to be the most elite, the absolute best of the best. Kind of like a self-governing, like, body so that this is the board of directors does not have influence over the skunk works teams uh at these different manufacturers it's like you know you're you're on special projects and we allot a budget to you and you just make something that will blow our minds um and we trust very very much so uh and so this was the case when i was contributing to the ford gt Mm-hmm. Um, I was very fortunate to be part of a team uh, that was brought in as as unusual outsiders yeah. to come in and basically go to Ford's product development center in Dearborn, Michigan, where they 
design and develop all of their vehicles and you walk in and it's kind of like a standard, almost like cube farm like environment. And there were a few, <laughs> few guys that said, all right, come with us. And we go down the, you know, fire stairwell down into the basement. And there was just like a massive corridor, uh, very wide underneath any of the automotive manufacturers. The hallways are all very wide because they're going to be like rolling vehicles up Mm -hmm. and down and whatnot. And this thing was just like a dark, dreary corridor lined with old prototypes and like old styrofoam models of cars that maybe never even got made and all this stuff. And so like, I'd be walking down that hallway and already be like, Ooh, wow, what's that? Oh, that's like a bizarro version of this car and that car and whatnot. And at the end of that hallway, there was a, a keypad door that brought us into the four GT design studio, which was a very small room, like, maybe twice the size of my dining room at home that had no more than like 10 computer workstations and just a handful of the very best designers at Ford. And then just beyond that was the studio space where they were actually like sculpting the clay models and building out the, the vehicle. And this was literally a, a discarded storage space that nobody had access to and most people didn't even know existed Existed. yeah yeah and where they were effectively designing developing and and starting the process on creating this new ford gt and this was gosh this was probably back in 2014 or 2015 Mm -hmm. the vehicle wasn't even unveiled until 2016 or 2017 um this was happening underneath the product development center and everybody up above it had no idea this was even happening yeah. in there, in the basement where they went to work every yeah. day. And that was very much by design. It was partially to be hyper confidential, but it was also just to keep as much attention away from the project so that management wouldn't lean in and start fiddling with it and yeah and you know because anyone that would hear about oh we're making a, a car to compete with ferrari at lamar let me weigh in and give my two cents on exactly yeah i just want to get like a thumbprint on this not like necessarily yeah. put my like thumb on the scale but just like have like some residue from my thumb <laughs> on this yeah. car just because it could become and kind of has become this legendary idea of they have a secret program of development in order to compete against like the most premium brand on the planet. And they're doing it in this like secretive way and in the, in the exact opposite way that they do things at Ferrari, where it's just like you, they just let people like, if you're, uh, if you work at Ferrari, like you work at Ferrari, it's not like you're like, they don't have like a skunk works team at Ferrari. It's just, right. you know, they, everyone knows when the La Ferrari was being created, People were like, "Oh yeah, no, no, we don't work on that, but it it's here. It's on. It's in Marinello, right?" So, mm-hmm. I think it's. I think that's very cool to have that, and it does. Lend well, it's, an and it's the only mystery. way that you can. Yeah, it's the only. It's the only way you can make something really wild within mm-hmm. a much larger and much more powerful organization. I mean, Ferrari, in comparison, is still a very, very small company. Yes. Um, and so you know they can sort of everything that they make is you know, not a skunk works project, but it's sort of their version of like, you know, it could still, it could still be driven by a very clear vision. 
enormous companies like Ford, that's a very, very difficult thing to achieve. And so by doing, you know, the only way you get these really outrageous results and let me, I mean, the Ford GT, uh, people look at it and they think like, oh yeah, that's a Ferrari killer, but it's so much more than a Ferrari killer. It is a truly outrageous vehicle, Mm -hmm. um, that is you, you would not ever, unlike a Ferrari, you would never drive a Ford GT to the club. Yeah, uh, no, no, because no, no, no. it is a it is a miserably uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. and hyper compromised vehicle that yeah. literally every single decision made going into the creation of that vehicle was not to directly compete with whatever cars were being made by Ferrari or Lamborghini. It was just solely made to say, okay, when this is converted into the Lamar spec version of the car, will that give it an advantage or a disadvantage? Yeah. Well, and that there's was also everything. I mean, the the interior of the car. The car is very wide, and yet yeah. the interior. Is you, tight. if you it's have a, a passenger in the in the car with you, you're going to be like not rubbing elbows. You're going to be rubbing shoulders with the yeah. person sitting next to you. Yeah, like every um, time this, you try to change a gear, it's like I need you to move your leg. Like you can't have your. Yeah. You you need to have your legs like together you, so I can. You can't yeah. you can't slide the seat forwards and backwards because yeah. the seat, what you sit on, is a thin cushion that is placed on the carbon fiber floor. Yeah. Of the vehicle, and then the pedals and the steering wheel slide forwards yeah. and backwards to you as as needed but that's like i mean it's it's a wildly compromised car and i think even if you read like car and driver or whatnot and you read like reviews of it i think Mm -hmm. every single person that's ever like reviewed the car has probably like walked away from it being like i don't even know how to drive this thing but i can tell it's amazing so i'm going to give it a positive review but like yeah you, you have to be you have to be a competition racing driver to be well, able that's, to get that thing even to like, you know, six tenths. Exactly. And I, I was going to say, like you were even saying, like, it's it's design itself. Like you can't see out of the side of that car and you cannot see what's behind you because Ford was like, we're not worried about like yeah. we're we're worried about passing people and getting to the finish line. We don't care what's going on next to us or beside you'll us. you'll have someone on a headset talking to you while yeah. you're driving around yeah. at the 24 hours of lama you know to tell you who's who's behind you or what's coming up on you or what yeah like you're, that's like that's your side mindset. view yeah like the side view mirrors are more for aerodynamic purposes than it is to be like oh yeah well you're going to be able to like squint your eyes and see in like a mirror that is two inches wide and an inch tall like you're not going to be able to see what's behind you because mm-hmm. the mirror doesn't cover what's behind the car because no one driving the car cares about who's behind them it's if someone is directly on your wing to try to pass or if they're already in front of you and you're trying to navigate around them so it's it's really cool to have a i love that they have a company that will allow for that that's that's fascinating to me uh so yeah, that that's I'm looking forward to to seeing what they do, to seeing if if Ford makes their way, if they do continue on with this project and then they start working hand in hand with Red Bull and Red Bull powertrains. Yeah. There's And it's also, I mean, Ford brings in a ton of other uh really elaborate relationships. I mean, t- uh 
the Ford GT is like almost not an American car. It's mm-hmm. a lot of the engineering that happened under the skin was done by Multimatic, which is a Canadian company yeah. that runs several race teams. Yeah. Um, and have enormous experience in racing engineering. And so I think there's also likely to be a connection between, you know, Ford uh, shaking hands with Red Bull, shaking hands with Multimatic as yeah. well in bringing some cross competency expertise to, uh, to a Formula One team. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I mean, I think that that's, that's something to look forward to for sure. Uh, so let's let's move on from from Ford here and just a a, a couple of little things um a, a couple little tiny things that popped up on my radar as well were like the continued kind of holiday and christmas celebrations that people are going mm-hmm. through uh from the sport uh in general and and F1 has kind of put together some really interesting things uh to especially on like their Instagram feeds and social media feeds they're showing they're kind of uh, compiling some of the greatest hits. Um, so like seeing like Valtteri uh, and uh, Oh God, what's, what's his partner's name? Um, I can't remember what his partner's name is, uh, but they have like, they're like longboarding on a boardwalk somewhere uh, in like flip flops. There's mm-hmm. someone I can't tell who, but they're in like a Santa suit snowboarding through like these like gorgeous mountain glades. Uh, There's just a bunch of people. There's pictures of Pierre with his family and Esteban uh, Ocon, like kind of like, like a King uh, somewhere. There's Alonzo with like the ultimate leaning into the Chad meme, Uh, the Chad Alonzo meme. He's got like his Mm -hmm. chin, like right in front of the camera and he's all like ripped and working out. Uh, And then there, (laughs) There was uh, there was a little thing from Danny Ricardo where he did you see his like his no, GoPro what, footage? What was this? So because he is no longer a, a primary driver, a one or a two driver, he is now getting to do what he loves, which is he's back in Australia right now on his parents' farm and he's riding his dirt bikes and like he's got like some GoPro footage of him ripping around a dirt bike track and then. There's also footage of him trying to go off a jump into like a foam pit. And oh boy, the first th- like I think the caption is like way less power, way less horsepower, way more scary. And like he like you see him like hyping himself up and then like he like tightens up his goggles and then revs the engine and he like goes towards the ramp and totally chickens out and is like, oh, uh, and like stops. And then the next one is him actually doing it. Um, but just watching him really enjoy himself in the off season, like just like watching Lewis enjoy himself, mm-hmm. watching Danny Ricardo really be able to cut loose and be like, Hey, I am now back with Red Bull. They love me. They're going to take care of me. They're probably going to use me as a weapon or at least, a as, as some sort of like a reminder, uh, to, to Checo to keep his, you know, keep his ass in line. There's a beautiful element of that, of watching ricardo enjoy himself oh the one thing that really caught my attention was espn f1's instagram feed like this was this morning they've released a package uh for the vegas grand prix oh yeah yeah yeah, oh yeah. yeah did you did you see that 
I if uh, I've heard about a few of these things. Which one is this? This is the I mean, like this is like the twelve thousand dollar package where you get like a paddock pass, and then you also get. Uh, it's not, it's as someone who is just in Las Vegas, uh, the idea of what they're offering is ridiculous. So it's the Caesars entertainment package and, uh, sorry, it's not a, it's not 12,000. That's so silly. It is a $5 million emperor package for the Las Vegas Grand Prix. So it gets you 12 paddock club tickets and then, uh, a culinary experience at, uh, at Nobu. Uh, and two tickets to Adele's residency at Caesar's Palace. But the thing that really caught my attention here, and as someone who has been to Vegas, you can, you can, I want to see what your, your response to this is. Part of this is a five night stay in Vegas. I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. Now, now you do, you do, <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. that's the thing though. You do this because someone that's going to buy something like this is still Mm. not going to be like, oh, let me make sure that I take advantage of every single one of these Mm -hmm. amenities, including the five-night stay. Like, it's going to be someone who's going to be like, yeah, I'll be there for 36 hours tops. I was going to say maybe And I'll show up for a race day, and there's going to be this giant, like, you know, party room. Because it's for, it's like something like you get to bring, like, you know, 15 of your friends or something like that. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a, a giant party room that's vacant for, you know, the practice and the qualifying day. And then on race day, the people will show up and they'll hang out and, and yeah. do whatever and, and whatnot. It's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's just obnoxious. I think it's, uh, uh, I'm, sh- I wouldn't be surprised if they have a easy time selling this, yeah. but I think it's probably more than anything. It's brilliant just as like an ostentatious thing to grab headlines and to get attention and just, you know, drum up more uh, excitement while also making the Las Vegas formula one race seem as disgusting (laughs) as possible. Yeah. Like I, I think the, anyone that's going to be spending money on that package will instead opt for the, the package, not the Caesar's palace package, but the mm-hmm. uh, the Bellagio package, which yeah. actually gives you full permission to kill two human beings, exactly, yeah, it, of uh, your choice, is, including yes. yeah, yeah. drivers. If you want, you yeah. can like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh God, it is it is so opulent and so so predictably opulent. The five million dollar price tag was like, whoa. I mean, I could see you know a couple million dollars. Uh, I mean, even that is like, what the hell am I talking about? I, yeah, I, what are you talking about? Come on, if it was like, if it was one point five, sure, I could. I it's could a swing value that. proposition right there. Yeah, but five million dollars for a five night stay with like 12 of your besties where you're just not going to do that. Like, it's like literally like the dude who founded Nobu. Um, uh, I can't remember what his name is uh, off the top of my head, but it's like the chef who founded uh, Nobu. Yeah. Um, uh, Matsuhisa. He's going to uh, like pour your cereal for you in the morning and yeah. whatnot. Like it's a per you would get a, a culinary experience with him. So he will be the yeah. private chef catering to you and, your all the rest of the oligarchs uh, who are at I mean dinner. I'll say this this sounds Ugh. like the perfect uh setting for mm-hmm. knives out 3 I know that's my it, that's it my really that's my pitch 
Oh God, that's a good pitch, John. That's a that's a good pitch, and I I I think anyone anyone would be a fool for not making that movie. So that's that's just this is again, folks. This is the downtime during F one. So I don't know how much like how much more uh like hey we need to get attention <laughs> we're going to sell something for 5 million dollars and then mm-hmm. post about it and like urge ESPN to post about it so that everyone can see this uh i did ju- i did see yesterday uh the organizers of the Miami race announced that they've just released a bunch of tickets as okay. well uh, which it was up to this point completely sold out, but they released a bunch of tickets. I took a quick scan through and I was like, oh, okay, maybe if I sat in this grandstand and then I got to the checkout and it was like $3,000 a ticket. So yeah, for uh, like the I, worst seats in a grandstand yeah. that probably isn't even built yet. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. bananas. Uh, but uh, oh, uh, one more tiny bit of news here before we we wrap this up is it looks as though in 2024, the first race of the season is going to be in Saudi. So that is their, like we were talking mm. about how they're going to start kind of grouping the races regionally. Yeah. They are doing that. That's what they're looking at for 2024. And it looks like mm. they're going to kick off the calendar in Saudi Arabia, which is, that is uh, that's a choice. That is certainly a choice. Definitely uh, an inspired decision right there. Yeah. Especially two years before we go do all sustainable fuels. It's like a right. really interesting thing to be like, oh, we're going to go to the place that is known as an oil producing, like as the oil producing <laughs> country on the planet. And then two years later, we're going to go to all sustainable fuels. That's uh, an interesting, that's an interesting thing that they're doing there. Uh, I can only imagine Aramco has a big old part of that. Like they lobbied real heavy for that. Uh, But anything else kind of popping up on your radar? Anything else F1 related, Johnny? Uh, Nope, nothing. Nothing else that's catching my attention. I'm just going to be, you know, keeping my ear to the ground. I think as, uh, you know, this week I expect to kind of be similar to the previous week where there will be Mm -hmm. minimal goings on uh, coming through. But, uh, Immediately following that, I think as the new year kicks into gear, we're going to have a few uh, personnel changes based on like yeah. literally just contracts running out at the end of the calendar year and, and whatnot. Yeah. And I think we're going to start to see some more movement bubbling up, uh, gearing up towards next season. I don't, uh, I don't have the names right in front of me, but we even, I think, have two teams that have announced uh, car yes. reveal dates um, in so February. Alpha Tauri is the first one, and I think that that is like the 8th or something like that, or the 10th of February, and then Ferrari is the other one. And John, mm-hmm. can you guess which day Ferrari chose to release the Scarlet brand new Ferrari? Ooh. Which, which uh, day? I mean, it would, it would have to be the day for lovers. It's absolutely. They're going to reveal their, mm-hmm. their deep red emotional passionate vehicle on february 14th baby yep it's absolutely february 14th so that's uh that's something to look forward to is to see the Hmm. the ridiculous pomp and circumstance that ferrari goes through with that especially with the new team principal uh because vassor will be the one who is rolling that car out with uh you know so we've got we've got a frenchman 
delivering a brand new Ferrari to us on Valentine's Day. So I'm looking looking forward to to watching that. I'm I'm not going to watch it live because you know maybe I'll have a date on Valentine's Day, and that was kind of the joke. Is like, oh yeah, great. So you literally put it on Valentine's Day. So like people are going to have to choose between taking their significant other out and forcing their significant other to watch a needlessly ridiculous reveal of uh, a Ferrari. So, yep. yeah. But uh, so what do you think, Johnny? Do you think that the stock has gone up, down or plateaued this week? I'm going to say just in the general proximity to the news around Ford, I would say mm-hmm. the stock is creeping up. It's still still rumor, still still murmurs, but uh, I think speaks again to uh, Ford wouldn't be interested if it wasn't for the increasing momentum in the United States in the first place. So yeah. Definitely, definitely on the upswing. Corey, what do you think? Uh, I think it's on the upswing too. And I think that this, it was, it's creeping up. Like it's not, it's not, you know, going up too high, but I think that this, the, the two car reveals, and then also the, this new emperor package that has been revealed uh, is probably going to gain a little bit of traction over the next few days, especially as new year's rolls around and we tick over into Mm -hmm. 2023 that it is going to be like a oh wow so the vegas race this year like you know if you want to get me a late christmas present or like you know start me off with like something really cool to look forward to for the rest of the year you'll buy me the emperor package again speaking strictly to like all the oligarchs all across Mm -hmm. the, the planet uh so yeah i think i think the stock did go up a little bit and it'll continue to go up but uh yeah folks we're gonna wrap it up here though because that's it uh johnny where can the the people find you out there in the world uh you can track me down on uh twitter via my handle johnny motion or if you're curious to hear a little more about what it is that i get into uh not unlike some of the things i was describing with Mm -hmm. the 4gt you can hit me up on my website johnnymotion.com Corey, where can the folks find you uh, they can track me down on Twitter as well, Burn Corey Burn. Uh, that's my handle there, and then across all the other social media platforms, it's the same. Uh, we've got the F One Files on TikTok, the F One Files on Twitter, and the F One Files podcast on Instagram. Uh, and then out in the world, uh, I will be hosting a New Year's Eve bash at the Brightly. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So this Saturday, if you are in Los Angeles, come on out to the uh, social club, the Brightly. It's right on the Sunset Strip there. We're going to be doing a nice little champagne toast at midnight. They got a bowling alley mm-hmm. in there if you want to get down. Going to have an amazing dinner. So, uh, yeah, get into your finery and get yourselves to the Brightly if you're going to be in LA and don't have plans already. And uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty much it. That's where that's where you can find me and find John. But uh, folks, how about this? How about you catch up with us and we will catch up with you the next time on the F1 Files. Oh, gorgeous. 